Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. Peter, firstly, I'm so grateful to have you here today. I'm so excited to share you with my audience. Um, I think I was kind of starting to say this to you earlier, but I really feel that for so many of us on our um, on a spiritual journey, the rubber's kind of meeting the road now where we're like, listen, we've heard before the platitudes. We've heard know your worth. We've heard, you know, um, believe in yourself. And we've heard, you know, push, push, push and force, force, force. But there now it's kind of really like, I feel like all of us are ready to really ground the the sort of spiritual platitudes into, you know, reality. Yeah. And I really genuinely feel like you are one of the best people at this, not just only in the way that you speak about it on every podcast, every um, course you offer, every everything. But, you know, and I don't think I've ever told you this, but, you know, when we've traded sessions before, out of all the things I've done, the two sessions that we've you've given me have been like just really created like a lasting impact. Like they've actually genuinely moved a needle on a perception yeah. And obviously a perception is what changes your thoughts and then your thoughts change your actions. So I'm just really grateful to to have, you know, you um, here today because I really want to focus on how we actually make change in our lives rather than use spirituality to kind of, I guess, make us feel a little bit better in the moment. But then what about daily life, you know? So yeah. I'm really grateful to have you here. Well, thank you, my dear. It's a beautiful introduction and means the world to me. I it, it's still astonishing, I find, how often, for example, I get stopped even walking around, you know, like local stores and someone will come up to me like even just two days ago. And this this dad, he had his little son in a in the in the what we call the trolley or the cart. And um, he said, Peter. And I said, hi. And he's like, sorry, no, you don't know me, but you changed my life. You know, and this is just seven o'clock at night. I'm picking up some food in a grocery store and mm -hmm. uh he said, yeah, you did this tribute to your dad. And it just made me completely change my relationship to my son. And wow. so it was just so sweet, you know. So mm. anyway, thank you for the kind words. And, uh, you know, you're you're a bright light in the world yourself and very astute, articulate, intelligent and making a wonderful difference. So to know that the words that I shared with you had a lasting impact, which is my intent, uh, is very humbling and gratifying so thank you well so what I think you're so amazing at is you know very um with so much kindness and so much gentleness and so much understanding for the innocent reasons why we would get into certain patterns you marry that gentleness with the directness of being able to point stuff out about not just us personally, but also as humans, right? Like, why yeah. do we get into certain patterns? So because I think, and maybe you'd agree, like worth is such a, 
such a big piece of uh you know our, our becoming journey mm-hmm. can I can we start there and and just Absolutely. have me ask you about like what's your experience and what's the way that you see worth for people who just really don't feel like there is a sense there a foundation of of feeling worthy yeah for sure I mean it's a big thing and I'd say you know without creating any like split or distinction between male and uh, female I think the feminine struggles with that even more right Mm. because if you look at the primal patterns of how we're wired deep in our DNA sort of the alpha male his worth manifests in a different way right it's more to do with strength speed and now in more contemporary society it manifests as what we call success which uh, is itself illusory right it's a sort of horizon you can never reach Mm. Uh, and that's something that I feel a lot of people fall prey to this illusion that we've created on mass of what success looks like, which to me is quite the antithesis of success. Mm-hmm. But I think as it relates to inner worth, <clears throat> sort of more psychological, emotional sense of value, I do think the feminine struggles a bit more with that because mm-hmm. the portrayal of worth for a woman is so bound to her appearance, right? And so we're already putting value outside of where worth really resides right because if it's to do with your features to do with your shape to do with your sexuality to do with your beauty your hair your nails your outfit you're digging in the wrong place is sort of the term i use to borrow from uh indiana jones and the temple of <laughs> <laughs> you remember that scene it's so powerful but <laughs> in just so people get the analogy or the the um reference um, his indie with his little girlfriend, just you know, disheveled like mountain man, and you've got the French archaeologist with all the big machinery and the JCBs and thousands of workers, which sort yeah. of correlates to society, you know. And here you are, this individual sovereign being, and <laughs> he realizes that they're digging in the wrong place, which is such a beautiful metaphor for the things that people are looking for that correlate apparently to work. Mm-hmm. So, um. I think one of the ways that I help people understand the misnomers around it is if you look at a baby, right, a newborn baby, doesn't matter if it's yours, it could be a nephew, a niece, it could be a friend's baby. There is an inherent, an innate understanding of the value, the miraculousness of that being that is now incarnate, right? And so when you look at it in terms of the correlation to how we as adults value worth, that baby is like completely off the scale of any sense of value as it relates to the marketplace, right? Doesn't have a job, doesn't contribute to rent, doesn't do any chores around the house, doesn't have the ability to articulate, pontificate, philosophize in a way that we could say is intellectual worth. It it has no actual value in terms of its contribution to society. Mm-hmm. And yet there is such a innate preciousness that we adorn that child with just by virtue of the miracle that is birth Mm. then what happens is at some point humans decide that they're no longer that precious Mm -hmm. so if we can at least see the genesis of the absence of worth you can make your way back right which is when you're an adult certainly as you become a teen and beyond there's this Uh, developed, conditioned idea that I'm not valued or not worth because at some point, at some point, usually in those terrible twos or threes, when language becomes part of that being's existence, 
the the child feels being me just being me is no longer enough mm-hmm. before that before language i could throw up on my auntie's prada outfit i could write <laughs> all over the wall and there was no sense of you know discretion about whether i was doing something good bad right wrong or whatever mm-hmm. and so there wasn't an inherent feeling of the absence of worth it's actually only in language that all of these conditioned states that we i would put under the auspices of suffering you know i'm not good enough i'm not worthy i'm not loved that exists in language now of course mm-hmm. it then cascades into our physiology as a feeling with suffering and then all the means of escapism mm-hmm. and compensation mm-hmm. but fundamentally worth is inherent mm-hmm. and you have the very everyday experience whether you've seen it or not you would have seen it on tv at least that the newborn baby we're not saying well let's see if they have any worth in a few years right mm-hmm. <laughs> not waiting yeah. for them to justify their value in the marketplace mm-hmm. so i want people to understand that's innate it's inherent your value your true self worth and this might be shocking for a lot of people never changes through the course of your entire life wow all that changes all that changes is your narrative about it okay this is really profound because i even find it quite um when you're putting it this way there has been a time in someone's life where they have even maybe they were too young to remember it but there has been a time where you've already felt innately worthy before you knew that it was possible that you could not be that exactly um, yeah so it's almost like a mechanical thing where it's like you said it was always there just that something else got in the way and if it got in the way you can also remove it and that there's nothing you can do to earn more of it I think that's a really big thing that we like an illusion that we're all under is like these conditions of if I get this, then I'll feel more worthy. And then yeah. that inevitably becomes a pot at the end of the rainbow because you get all those things. Um, if you get to those places where you got certain things that you thought would take it away and you get there and you realize that nothing has actually changed. It's beautiful. And and that's why it's so profound, because when people realize that they're playing a game of illusion where sometimes they feel worthy, sometimes they don't. Mm. Petrol emotional roller coaster, depending on whether they got the raise, they got some more money, they lost some money, they got fired, someone broke up with them. Mm-hmm. That is the eternal nature of life, which is change. But if people can tap into that ever present essence of oneself, where the inherent qualities of the soul are completely untamperable with right mm. you, the, the the omnipresent state and essence of our soul is eternal mm-hmm. the human experience on the surface which is accumulative over time you know the pride when you do something well the guilt when you don't that mm. belongs entirely to your persona that has nothing mm. to do with the true essence of who you are so when people really see that there can be such a state of liberation and relief of like oh I can play the marketplace, the societal game of worth, but that's exhausting and it's all going to be dependent on whatever is currently on vogue, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're now at the whim of these sort of continually like changing states that society dictates whether something is valuable or not. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a futile game to play versus yeah. if you can rest and abide in your own inherent innate essence of value, and then allow other people to discern for themselves what they think of your worth. That's up to them. That's entirely their prerogative. But it's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with my inherent worth. 
Mm-hmm. Now you can stop playing the game of like perpetually trying to avoid non-worth and uh, amass worth. Right. And we do that because we think that that is going to give us, um, I guess, love, belonging. What are the... um. What are the things, I guess, what's the the pains that we're trying to avoid by trying to play into that worth game? Yeah, fundamentally, you know, the, prior, the sort of, we could say in terms of the hierarchy of needs of a human being, one of the primary cravings is belonging, mm-hmm. right? So belonging being a perhaps sort of more sophisticated way of saying like acceptance or love, because mm-hmm. again, when we look at the deep patterns of our DNA, if you don't belong to the tribe, the clan, the family, then you die, mm-hmm. right? Which sounds very fatalistic and dramatic, but it's still part of our wiring. And today, of course, you're just not going to. You may end up in a home or you get help from society or the government or whatever it is, but you're not going to be you know, chastised and excommunicated into the jungle where you're going to be savaged by these bigger predators, right? Which mm-hmm. is what the DNA is telling you. It's like, okay, I better, be- I better behave in the way that I am being told or society is asking me to conform to so that I can stay part of the gang because mm-hmm. my survival is inextricably dependent upon that. That's how it occurs, right? right. So, but it come, becomes a vicious cycle because if I'm living in the conditioned idea of my persona that thinks it's not valued or not worthy, mm-hmm. then I'm the ultimate game I'm playing is not about trying to garner love and acceptance from society, but ironically garner love and acceptance of myself, which is why when people say, you know, practice self-love, it's not that it's an inaccurate invitation or instruction. It's just for most people, it's almost completely futile because who they are for themselves is yeah, but I'm already not lovable, whether it be in the back opposition, not good enough, whatever it is. So then it actually exacerbates the compensatory patterns of like, well, maybe I should be prettier, lose weight. I have to make more money. I have to be faster to have the right car. Whatever Mm -hmm. means of how do I become lovable Mm -hmm. in a society where I'm already under the illusion that I'm not part of, that's the biggest illusion, isn't it, of separation. Yeah. I'm a separate entity. And therefore I have to, you know, I have to manipulate myself in ways that will fit in. But that equally becomes exhausting because if you move, you know, you're in college and then there's one way to act. Now you're in the workplace in a law firm or at a doctor's office or at a dental's office, whatever. And you're mm-hmm. now have to behave in a certain way. And mm-hmm. then you go home to your family and you're in front of your parents. You have to behave a certain way. And it yeah. just becomes absolutely exhausting. And then people, you know, you wonder why people are so sick and tired. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like we keep moving the goalposts. Like every few hours, you're in a different environment, and all of a sudden, you have to switch back into. And it's almost like what I'm hearing you say as well is that we've almost internalized that voice of society. So we become the voice that tells us what we need to be. Even yeah. if everyone around us does accept us, for example, we could still be like whipping that thing on ourselves of like, you need to do more to belong or something. And that's the real comical, albeit, you know, a little bit you know, perhaps sad comical is that Mm -hmm. if you understand everybody's doing this, right? But you're being human. So you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you put on makeup, you brush your hair, you know, with all the best intentions in the world. It's kind of adorable, right? It's like a little child who wants to fundamentally look a certain way to be loved by society. 
But then if you yeah. walk outside of the door and you realize, wait, the literally on the street, this the hundred people in front of me who I don't know all did the same thing for me. Yeah. You could literally walk past people in a big metropolis and say, Hey, you look great. Thank you for taking time this morning to look good for me. <laughs> and it's it's all our own our own stories. We're, as I said, we're literally fighting our own beliefs of inadequacy or one of my quotes. You know, I use a lot of quotes. I mm -hmm. say, you know, you can't help but laugh when you realize the only thing upsetting you is your own imagination. Mm. Yeah. And it is cute. I like the fact that you said it's cute because I think seeing the innocence in all of it is really, um, it just, it provides so much kind of comfort and levity when you, you don't see it through this lens of shame, but it's just like, we're just, it's humans. We're just doing human stuff. Like this kind of, adorable. yeah. Like it this really is tragedy. adorable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you really see the innocence. Now, of course, there's like, you know, there's a gradient, right, of how yeah. far people will go with the degree to which they're willing to manipulate themselves, others, society for for their own gain, right? Like we see mm -hmm. that a lot today with people in positions of power where it becomes like corruption. But for the most yeah. people, 99% of the popular are really just a little boy, a little girl mm -hmm. who at some point between the ages of two, certainly onwards to five, seven, eight and beyond, felt that just being them was mm -hmm. no longer enough. And as a byproduct, again, by virtue of being human, developed whatever means of self-regulation, coping strategies and adaptation they needed in order to try and win the love and acceptance that they felt they lost, they never did lose. Mm -hmm. it, may, it may certainly occur as though the, the care providers of mom and dad didn't love them unconditionally because they're dealing with human beings who don't know what that is equally because they yep. are their own little boy and little girl mm. trying to do the best they can just in this as the archetype of a parent who's got a lot of guilt and shame. So you just start to see the legacy continues. So yeah. it's part of, for me, the game of being human is that we're fundamentally here to learn what love is by starting with ourselves and seeing all the aspects of ourselves that we don't love, right? Mm. What better way to develop the essence of love than to have to integrate the parts of you that you don't love. And that's really powerful. I heard someone, um, this quote the other day that said, you know, you don't shine the candlelight in midnight, at midday. If you want to create light, you shine it at midnight, Right. you know? So it's, it's about like, yeah, you know, it's easy to love the parts of yourself that like you said, your persona has already told you, okay, if you are a thin person, it's easy yeah. to love yourself because you're thin or, whatever like whatever other habit or quality or features that you love yeah my yeah. beautiful eyes or you've been told from a young age that you have beautiful skin or you know but that's not the game of um developing and integrating self-love mm -hmm. i mean what a beautiful feature of being human that we have these fundamental very deep conditions of inadequacy insecurity and some sense of scarcity because that's what we need, right? It's the laws of opposite. It's the mm -hmm. resistance in order to develop true love because love is doesn't have an agenda. It's all embracing. So if there are parts of you that you judge, criticize, berate, dislike, you know, then what a wonderful means to actually truly, truly develop love mm. because that really, you know, that embodies the quintessential, albeit, you know, perhaps 
hard to truly in real life witness or experience is that unconditional maternal love, right? I think mm -hmm. women do that way better than men where their child, fill in the blank, does whatever, draws on the wall, you know, is throwing up, is breaking mm -hmm. things. Like the maternal has a proclivity way more than the masculine to be able to embrace. It's okay. Oh, honey, come here. You know, mm -hmm. and then maybe the masculine comes in afterwards to create some sort of linear discipline, depending on the appropriate age. But for me, we're all learning that maternal love for self, right? Mm. That I'm not perfect. I have plenty of flaws. But in the container of love, if I stand in love, that's okay. The beauty of that is, ironically, whatever I feel are my shortcomings, they tend to sort of lose their edge. They dissipate a little bit. Because when there's resistance, you know, the old cliche of whatever you resist persists. Mm -hmm. So if I'm berating myself ongoingly for something, people who struggle with weight loss, for example, mm -hmm. and they've tried every diet under the sun and it's been two plus decades, the number of people I've helped who it seems counterintuitive, but if you can embrace who you are for where you are with whatever your current weight is right now with love and self-acceptance so at every stage of your life you've done the best you can within the level of awareness you've had that led mm -hmm. to the body you currently have then there's a softness and a lightness mm -hmm. that comes over that person that is usually the precursor to them treating themselves better eating better food because in the container of love there is a greater treatment of oneself and so then typically the weight starts to dissolve right yeah isn't that beautiful it's really beautiful because it's 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 the application of love rather than loving just already what's there. It's like, okay, like you're saying, these polarities, it's like it makes you flex the love muscle. It's easy to love the parts of you that are easy to love. So what love have you learned? Yeah. But if you have to make the effort to learn to love something that previously you found difficult, that's the that's the inner transformation. And, yeah. um, you know, just as you're saying this, you know, I'm applying it to what I consider my, um, you know, equivalent of someone else's weight issue and it does it, it brings levity to the heart as well to think oh okay like I can have compassion is there a way that I can see all the steps all the actions all the everything that led me to this place yeah that now kind of frames it and like you said holds it in in a gentler hand than than the one that's kind of trying to just you know squash it out of you or pretend it's not there or put yeah. it in the darkness you know <laughs> or perfect it or fix it or change it or all the mm. things that we are basically that energy is it's making something about you or others wrong yeah so if you really break it down to its most fundamental energy what you're saying is the way reality is isn't the way i want it mm -hmm. now if you really get the absolute asinine way of relating to life like that mm-hmm Right, because one of my quotes again, I say, "Life is the way it is, mm -hmm. but only always." <laughs> well, it, that literally leads me on to my exact next question. I was going to ask you, which is that something you do so well is getting people to face and look at reality as is, and then have complete acceptance for it. And I feel like that's one of your sort of like classic transformation portals, almost in yeah. in what you do. Is like that's such a starting point. Is like just look at the pieces as they are. And before ascribing meaning, um, yeah. what is there? What's in front of you um, which, from a neutral which, perspective? Yeah, which to me is the real life employment and, and expression of love. 
because mm. love and acceptance to me are synonymous. So if you really, that's why I said, if you break it down to its most fundamental energy, me, this brain conversation, narrative dialogue, saying I don't want things the way they are, whether it be about myself, my partner, my family, my society, then I'm in conflict with reality. Mm -hmm. But as I just said, life is the way it is, but only always. Yeah. So now you start to see the absolute futility of me being in resistance with reality, because reality mm -hmm. is reality. Mm -hmm. So the integration of that, the acceptance of the way things are, first of all, is just basic intelligence. Because, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's as asinine as walking outside and pointing up at the sky and saying, the sun shouldn't be there. It should be over there. Mm -hmm. Right, like that, obviously, just to exacerbate the magnitude of the same energy, it's preposterous. People would go, well, that, why would I tell the sun that it should be in a different position? Who am right. I? The audacity. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's funny. But you have a conversation about how your mother should act, mm -hmm. how your sister should act. Right. It's the same thing. It's fundamentally judgment. Right. And when you're in opposition to the way things are, and certainly when the way people are in this current state, that's not to say that we can't allow for a, you know, evolution, maturity and improvement. But that is, to come back to my point, the expression, the real life um, employment, as I said, of the energy of love. Because mm -hmm. what I'm saying is I'm at peace with mm -hmm. the way things are. And because some people slip into this sort of resignation with that, like, oh, well, it's just the way it is. What's the fuck? You know, who cares? No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the embrace of the way things are, love, whilst remaining committed to the way I would like things to be. Right. So then, and that's only when you've, I guess, seen the distance between those two things and told the truth about those two things. That's when you can have um clarity on the actions or the um, what takes you from one to the other so yeah. and this is where i that's what i was saying to you is i really like that you are it's the compassion and then it's also the you know the the accepting total responsibility for you know what you want in your life or what do you want to change about yourself um, yeah. but with kindness with 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 that gentleness so um and in harmony with reality, right? Because otherwise you're playing your own game. I don't like the way things are, myself, my partner, my life. And so now you're in an energy of resistance. Mm -hmm. And then people wonder why they don't make any progress or they're not seeing the results that they want. You know, and people use the word manifestation all the time and all of these spiritual bypasses where they're trying to get, not realizing that they're in a, in a cauldron of judgment and resistance. Mm. They're literally yeah. fighting life, yet espousing these beautiful philosophies of the life that they want to create. Mm. It's, it's like you've got this energy of pushing away everything that is your own reality, mm. whilst pretending that you're really committed to something else. No, what you're really committed to is judging the way things are. And that's right. why you're not going anywhere. Until there's a full acceptance and integration of reality as it is, mm -hmm. you literally can't move because you're too busy denying it's an avoidant energy. Mm -hmm. I'm in a state of resistance and reaction. If I'm reacting to life, that is literally the antithesis of what you're saying, which is the creative ability that we all have as beings. Yeah. Reaction and creation are two polarities. Reaction is a form of creation. Ironically, you're creating the self-righteousness of your ego's beliefs of what it can't have or what is wrong. So 
That's the prerogative, the number one primary intention of the ego or the persona is I want to be right about my perspective, mm -hmm. which is insane. It is insane. It's non-sane. <laughs> um, yeah. As you're saying that, though, I, and I know I've been in, you know, I can think of so many times in my life where almost when I'm not tapped into my own creation mm -hmm. or not aware that I even have that ability, the the reaction almost feels like at least I'm not doing nothing. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like it's a, it's a cheaper fuel, but it's still a fuel, if you know what yeah. I mean. It still kind of yeah. moves things and keeps things going. So I guess I want to ask you for, you know, that part of me and that part of all of us who it sometimes is addictive to be in that charge and to be in that judgment and to be in that thing. Like, what is so scary about not being in there? And what's why do we hold on to that and why do we stay in that pushing away in that reaction very simple three words fear of death say more <laughs> <laughs> so it's the ultimate conundrum of the ego that we've become misidentified right so if who i am for myself to go full circle back to how we started on the conversation of work if who i am in terms of my identity, how I have become associated with the I that I think I am has got some foundation in not being worthy. Mm -hmm. Of course, no one wants to live there. People want to have a life of abundance, whether it be literal in terms of finances or abundance in terms of experience, abundance in terms of love and passion and companionship. But the fear of death means that in order to have the things that you declare you want, the I that you currently believe yourself to be has to die. Mm. And that's why it's scary. Because mm. you don't know who you are outside of the identity that you've become collapsed with. Mm -hmm. So it's the old expression of the acorn has to die in order for the oak tree to become born. Mm -hmm. So in order to, and this is why it gives me chills, why I'm so passionate about my work, because I don't solve problems. I dissolve constraints, which were the same level of frequency that gave rise to problems. Right. So when people lose weight because they have a weight problem, they will invariably gain it back at some point. People who are on the biggest loser TV shows and they're losing 200 pounds, like they're literally losing another equivalent of a human being I spoke to the producers and within three to five years, they're back to where they started. Why? Because wow. they didn't dissolve the fundamental identity that gave rise to that physicality. Yeah. So, so that's why I want Yeah, well, mm -hmm. it's safer because it's what you know, right? Yeah. It's that which is familiar. Or as I, again, one of my quotes, I say people simply learn to become comfortable in their own discomfort. Mm -hmm. But because yeah. it's familiar doesn't mean that it's either good for you, healthy, or certainly not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. But this is why to evolve spiritually takes such great courage, because you have to be willing to die to the idea of yourself, which is really slippery because the idea of yourself is founded in your subconscious. It's not even who you think you are. You have the thoughts that are arising from within the subconscious constraints, right? For a woman, for example, in a major city in New York, might say to her friends they're out having drinks or dinner one night i can't believe there's just no good men in a new york and many of her girlfriends might concur 
Now, that statement clearly is not a fundamental truth. It is a reflection of her reality based on, at max, maybe the six, seven guys she's dated, right? Which is 0.00001% yeah. of the population of New York, right? Yeah. But what it does show us is that she's resigned to the fact that she feels nobody's accepting her, loving her, she's not worthy. So this is why it becomes really slippery to break out of the, the deep limitations of our subconscious that are the, the, the foundation of our identity. Mm -hmm. But that is a death. And this is why I love the topic of death because the essence of who we are without sounding too esoteric never dies. But in order to be truly alive, the idea of yourself has to perpetually die. And it's, it's so funny that you know what you're saying about this these things of of holding on to narratives okay there's no good guys around or whatever okay sometimes it is based on experience but a lot of the times it's not even based on experience it's based on narratives that you almost I'll I'll speak for myself when I used to say that all the time <laughs> um I used to say well I said it for probably six years straight um and I can like very confidently say that it's almost a protection to then it's not someone else if it's not my fault if there's no good guys around right it keeps me there's nothing wrong with it's it's that like trying to fill the hole of not feeling good enough because if I say that it's the guy's fault yes. then that doesn't well, mean that I'm unlovable or undesirable or not this enough or not that enough or whatever so it's like yeah. even without the experience you can mm -hmm. kind of I guess, convince yourself or, you know, create this like internal spin doctor that yeah. actually creates narratives that ultimately long term don't benefit you, but kind of they're there you in the short term, you know? I mean, it, it, you well, beautifully articulated. It's the incessant need for the ego to be right. You know, like again, mm. one of the quotes, I say, being right is the poor man's version of self worth. Wow. Say that again. That's so profound. Being right is the poor man's version of self-worth. Wow. Yeah, so you, and I appreciate your vulnerability in, you know, in front of your own audience, recognizing you would say that and seeing the insidious and very slippery nature of that is that, yes, at least then you could ascribe the issue out there with men, with society, because at that point, now you get to be right about mm -hmm. your view of yourself, which would be much more in the realm of, well, maybe there's something wrong with me, which is really painful to look at. So I'd rather assign blame, which is what people do, but I really want people to hear this. That means you are perpetually in a state of victimhood. Yeah. And if you are in the energy of victimhood, then by default, you are powerless. Mm -hmm. And that might be one of the most um, disempowering, let alone uncomfortable energies for a human to be in, because you're denying the power that you are. Right. And it's funny because you're like telling stories about how life works <clears throat> in order to protect yourself. But then you're getting out of touch with reality when you're telling these stories of like, oh, this is just, you know, no one yeah. like me makes it out there or people like me or there's no good guys or it's hard to do this or whatever. It's like, that's not, that's not correctly assessing the pieces. So it's almost like we don't even give ourselves a good shot 
when we're already deciding how it's not like oh you can drop the almost you don't give yourself a big <laughs> And the thing that I want to understand, so people might not relate to this in relationships, but things like money doesn't grow on trees or, mm-hmm. you know, money is the root of all evil, right? Like we look at the expressions and narrative that also are a form of restriction or constraint or inhibition in the realm of finances, which people mm-hmm. struggle with too. So it's the same, just so people have some sort of other correlation in a different arena of life, right? Apart from relationships. Yeah. But yes, it's, but the thing I want you to understand in your own language is it's like we're protecting ourselves, is what you said, mm-hmm. which isn't inaccurate, but you're not protecting yourself. You're protecting, protecting your, your own your ego. view of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say you can't help but laugh when you realize the only thing that's upsetting is your own imagination. And what you're doing is fighting for it, like the old expression yeah. fight for your limitation and they're you yours. You got to keep them. Yeah, you get to keep them. It's and so then good. people have the audacity, albeit like innocent, it comes back to that sort of like adorable quality of like, I'm going to fight and prove that I'm not lovable, that I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm going to fight for that. Meanwhile, I'm going to tell all my girlfriends, even all my friends on social media, my followers, that what I really want is fill in the blank, which is the antithesis of the thing that energetically I'm actually fighting for. Well, wow, so it's like a dissonance in your in your energy, your vibration, for want of a better word, that you're kind of putting your energy directly into two different things, that almost cancel each other out. It, it is not almost they do right. The mm. analogy or the image I use, it's like driving your car with one foot on the accelerator, which is the forward motion we could call creativity, while simultaneously you've got your foot flat on the brake, which is the reactivity or the avoidant energy, which perpetuates. Mm-hmm the limiting deep subconscious patterns of the idea of yourself, which in this case I'm calling your ego or your identity. Yeah. Yeah. And then you wonder why people get sick, are exhausted, unfulfilled, disempowered and feel like victims and that life isn't fair. Mm -hmm. I I get it. And this is again, why I have so much love and you very kindly at the beginning said, you know, the amount of compassion, love and kindness and gentleness that I bring, but I'm also really in a very refined way, dissolving these constraints. The beautiful thing is that once you bring awareness to that which was previously unconscious, which most people think of as fate, it's not. It's Mm. just not being responsible for your own conditioning. That when that dissolves, there is an instantaneous experience of freedom. And with that, a newfound sense of love for life and a sense of possibility for what now becomes available. Opens up. Yeah. So. We've obviously talked about it and you brought up the the arena of money and we talked about love, but I want to ask you about the ones that are slightly more non, non-measurable because I feel that I know, I know my audience definitely struggles with almost like sense of capability or feeling like they can do it. It's almost like we're wanting, I think people, obviously we want all those, you know, kind of outside things that constitute our version of a dream life or whatever as well, but it's like, Mm-hmm. How do you how do you dissolve the um how are you fighting for your own like feeling like you can't do it? How do you how do you start to unknot mm-hmm. that one? You know what I mean? Like, oh, do yeah. I have it in me or can I do this or can I, you know, make yeah. my own dream come true or be there for myself? You know, those kind of things that we those yeah. senses that we want. Yeah, and we could put that under the auspices of say human potential, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, every coach and leader out there is talking about like you know realize your potential right yeah which sounds like super enticing you know who oh yeah i sign me up here's my like you know however much (laughs) for your course um 
But again, I want you to, to really get, there's a couple of things. One, what we've just, you know, really broken down beautifully, which I hope people are now starting to become truly aware of, which is that if you're living in a prison, of which I delineate 10, right? This is like, I talk about this in my mastermind. I'm writing about it in my book. We all have these inherent 10 fundamental prisons. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough being two examples. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to declare all of them right now because that's why I'm writing my book. Uh -huh. but if you're living in these constraints, then as hard as it is to hear, you can't access potential. And I'll give you a very everyday example that helps to see how, you know, at some level, futile it is. Because if somebody's incarcerated, like they're literally in prison behind bars, and their desire, their want is to start this incredible business idea or to start a family, right? People realize, well, well you can't, you're in prison. <laughs> yeah. But what I want people to hear is the people walking around apparently free, which is why my main product is freedom, freedom. are equally energetically, psychologically, emotionally, and hence physically in prison. Mm -hmm. So the feeling of being incapable, not being able to accomplish, do, fulfill on, whatever it is that you aspire to, is justified. It's not, it's not that it can't be overcome, mm -hmm. but until you see the prisons that you're stuck in, you equally, just like somebody in bricks and mortar prison, can't fulfill on your potential, which is why, again, I get so much joy out of the stories that I hear. I mean, literally, I was doing a Ask Me Anything, like a Q&A with my community. And this woman shared in the chat, she did my mastermind. And one of her desires, she's young, I think like late 20s, is to have a family. But she has stage four endometriosis. Mm-hmm. This is now, I think, four months after the end of the mastermind. And she shared with the group, she went for a checkup, all gone. Like, gives me chills, right? And the number mm -hmm. of things I hear about that, because she realized that it wasn't endometriosis that was the issue. That was the physical manifestation, the cascade through her physiology of the prison she was living in of her own absence of worth and lovability. Mm -hmm. So the body will manifest the energetic signature that you reside at most commonly so that you get to, again, be right mm -hmm. about what's not available to you. Wow. So, again, I'm not, I can't directly answer the question about how can I do it. The doing is there in right. the absence of the constraint that you're currently living in. That's why I said freedom happens when you come out of prison. The guy that literally walks out of that yard and the gates shut behind him now can access his business idea, a potential for a relationship. Doesn't mean that it happens instantaneous, but it now steps into the realm of possibility versus being something that's unattainable. Mm -hmm. So rather than questioning one's capability, what would be much more helpful, accurate, and empowering is your capabilities there, just like I said earlier, your worth is inherent. Mm -hmm. Your capacity to create is equally innate. Mm -hmm. but not if you're living in a constraint that you're oblivious to. That is the struggle, right? That's the slippery part. If you don't know what you don't know in terms of your own uh, inhibited constraints, then that's where you need help. You need whether, it, you know, do some therapy, do workshops, do my mastermind, whatever it is, like that's where you break free, right? So don't question your capacity to create and to do. 
-hmm. rather investigate what is the fear or the limiting idea that I have about myself that inspires the idea that I can't do in the first place. Mm -hmm. so Where did like, I learn that? Who told me? Who told yeah. me dreams were possible? Because that was one part. The other mm -hmm. thing that I wanted to just touch on because you're so smart and I want your audience to get this, you said the things that we want for the dream life, right, is mm -hmm. how you, that was the prelude to the things that we want to do. So even in language, think about that. If it's my dream life, that also creates a mystique, an arena of unattainability. Because it's a dream life mm. versus no, no, this is the life I'm creating. It's an attainable life because mm. the word mm. dream sort of keeps it at a safe distance too. Interesting. Subtle. Yeah, I like that because it's like, what is um, safer about keeping it away? Thinking it's so far away or something. Yeah, because then what that does is it comes back to you get to be right about the fact that you're somehow not enough not in that this. yeah you, you get to be see it's so insidious right yeah will do whatever it can in language to justify its own view of limitation mm. and if you want to get really powerful the dream life isn't out there it's in you mm. when michelangelo was asked how did he create this masterpiece david out of a big lump of marble right in that sits in florence or italy or wherever it is he his response was i didn't David was already in there. I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. Yeah. So your dream life isn't out there in this sort of idealized future. That is the big misnomer. That is the trap. Mm -hmm. The yeah. dream life, first of all, it's not a dream life. It's your, it's consciously created life. Yeah. It's the life that's that. truly available to you. When's it available to you? Now. Now. Why, why now, Peter? But I don't have the money. I don't have the part. No, but you have the energetic signature in your own frequency that is the match and the precursor to that physicality. Just as that woman created endometriosis mm. on the quote, quote, vicious cycle downward, negative limitations. So you equally can have the ability to create a virtuous cycle of mm. who I am is the most lovable person in New York. Yeah. Now, that might go up against, like, that could be friction for that woman first, using that example earlier, of, like, up against her beliefs of not being lovable. But if her frequency, as she walked around from store to store, from home to home, from party to party, is, I'm the most desired and lovable human being in New York, She, the next conversation she has with her girlfriends in two months is, like, I don't know what to do. There's too many, like, suitable yeah. men. Yeah. Right? It's it's so um it's so much more unconditional as you're speaking about this. I'm it's like really just what I'm really getting is like the things that we think we want. Okay, let's say for example, you want a salary increase or I don't know what, right? It's like you yeah. you want it because what you think it's gonna give you, but yeah. then you're always dependent on that thing to give it to you. Whereas if you are cultivating it in yourself, there's almost a safety of knowing that the outside is gonna catch up at some point like you said maybe not tomorrow but mm -hmm. it's it's already there it's such a funny it's a it's a lesson I really learned um yeah. the day that I handed in my book actually oh, okay because well. so I handed in my book to my publisher like the first draft or whatever yeah and then and then I was like well I've been working on this writing it non-stop for six weeks and it's almost like this crescendo that happens and yeah. the day you don't have the book to write anymore I'm like oh well what am I going to do on my first day off for six weeks I'm just going to go to 
go on a walk, I guess. I don't know. Just do what a, pers- a human does. You know, and yeah. it's like a, it's a very, um, it's a very, um, how do I put this? Like, it's a real, like coming to coming down to earth because I think you're right. Like we, we do get, um, how do I put this? We do get conditioned to fantasize about like, this will be the thing that I, you know, yeah. even in our, even in our world, it's like, what is it that you want and manifest your potential? As you said, like, you know, the, yeah. these things where and that's something I really love about you is like how much you care about the freedom and freedom is a, is a mental, um, as a mental concept rather than, you know, any other, um, yeah, and energetic even deeper, right? Like the freedom that is similar to our worth, it's inherent. I would assert we're free beings, mm-hmm. but by virtue of our ego and our conditioned idea of ourselves, we're pretending we're not free. Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate game of cosmic hide and seek. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the Houdini act. That is the human experience where we are free. We put ourselves in this metaphorical, invisible, like white straitjacket, and then the game. <laughs> Of being human is like, oh, I tied myself up. Now, how do I get out? Yeah. And that's the beauty of the human experience, which is that spiritual evolution. Because every time that we get out of something, we will create a more refined trap, right? So it's like playing a video game where level one is relatively easy. But by the time you master that, and now you'll say at a level 15, which person first visiting that game wouldn't be able to do because they haven't amassed the skills and the refined ability to get beyond constraint. And yeah. that's the human experience. <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> no, it never stops. It's a pain in the ass because it's like they tell people it's the, the mountain without a top and you like you get to that one ridge and this beautiful vista you're like, oh my God, we made it. And then you look I around know. Like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, we've been here. I think I've been here before. The yeah. same view, just slightly different, you know, perspective. But this this landscape looks the same. Sounds familiar, feels familiar. It's not as bad as that last breakup or that last time we got fired, but god damn yeah Yeah. so it really is beautiful and i think to speak to something you said so people really you know grasp it we really are under the impression that what we want is outside of us Mm. and that is the big illusion that keeps people in that sort of both victimhood but also consumer-like approach to life right literally consuming what i think i want but what i want people to understand is the energy of wanting to me is a built-in strategy of our species to pull us forward, right? Meaning, if we don't have a desire, then we don't move. If we don't move, we don't get triggered by the things that we want that we don't get or whatever occurs along the way to our wanting, right? Mm. And why that's imperative is if we're not moving, we're not seeing where we're confined, and hence we're not evolving. So desire at one level is such a subtle but beautiful part of the human design where we are being motivated to take action, albeit under the illusion, the guise of I want something out there, whether it be money, partnership, success, status, or whatever it is. But really what life is doing for us is putting a fire under our butts so that we have to face the constraints with which we arrive so the ultimate prize is the freedom for our own invisible limitations. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So we're not wanting the desire for the desire itself. We're wanting the desire for the becoming that it does to us. The freedom that's on the other side of the illusion of desire, realizing ultimately, my more profound quotes, I say the seeker is the sort, meaning we are what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. 
That's amazing. That's what, I mean, what a great way to put that. And it's, it's so, um, there's a comforting to that because it isn't about getting to this place where all of a sudden, you know, you're this like, you've transformed into this Buddhist monk. It's like, there's always new, you know, like you said, if you've done level one, level two, level three, level four, it's almost like that. Well, I feel like it brings some kind of excitement to mm-hmm. the process because, okay, maybe it doesn't hurt as much as you, as you go up the ladder, but also you're more sensitized to it. So it hurts a proportional amount. Yeah, absolutely. Like give you the yeah. same level of discomfort. Well, it changes the rules of the game and the way that you play it, right? Because instead of being a victim to circumstance and comparing yourself with the Joneses and realizing what you don't have as a means of justifying or reinforcing your own inadequacies and limitations, you now look through a different set of eyes. It's like, oh, I'm comparing myself to some girl on Instagram, some guy driving the front, whatever it is, is these quintessential means by which we get to validate our own inadequacies. Instead of thinking I have to strive to get the same, which is, you know, that dead end of energetic sort of seeking of whatever, fill in the blank, worth, Mm -hmm. love, acceptance. I get to see, oh, why is it feeling so painful? Why do I feel it's incumbent upon me to keep up with other people? What is it that I say about myself? In that case, it will be something about I'm not as good at, or then you get to investigate the validity of that constraint and say, okay, where does that reside? Where, where is the, I'm not good enough? Where, Mm -hmm. where am I going to find that? Is it tucked Mm -hmm. behind my kidneys? Is it in the middle of my spine? No, it's a conversation in your head. Yeah. And I can remember when my older brother or my older sister, who was the academic or the athlete, and they got all the praise from my parents, that it was a painful point when I was four and seven and 12, Mm -hmm. that I would recognize my sibling got more attention. And I equated that with, I'm less than. So now you get to see not only the genesis of the constraint, but the fact that most powerfully, you were the one that created it. Yeah, because often it's not a parent telling you you are not good enough. It's no, no, your no. interpretation of no. I mean, and there are parents who say that, which only makes it more convincing. That means that soul was choosing mm. a sign for you know um, a, a a path that had more convincing tribulations and challenges with it. Yeah. It just sort of validates the statement more because these people that we admire and look up to our care providers and our guardians if they literally say the words we sort of you know often take words from parents as gospel right but if it's insinuated such that we're the ones who actually generate it then it's really quite fragile when you see it it becomes comical when you realize oh my own mind the one that is under the illusion that i want something or that i'm insufficient relative to fill in the blank I'm literally fighting my own dialogue that I made up about myself. <laughs> That's funny. And then you wonder why people need a drink or a prescribed, you know, medication. <laughs> well, here's what here's what I want to ask you though, because I seem I often think that I think the hardest part of this is actually learning to read the thoughts. Because oh, thoughts are almost yeah. like um they they go so quick and they're almost like just a little energetic imprint. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That to even actually yeah. like find your own flavor of I'm not good enough yes seems like the first step and it's really hard to if it's so embedded in your narrative you know how do you even pick it out or notice what yours is because you can assume that everyone thinks the same way as you and that's just a normal part of thoughts it is and that's why I use the word insidious right it's and I've used Mm. slippery a lot during because 
Yeah. The thoughts that people have by virtue of the fact that you're aware of them are conscious. That's not where the gold is. Mm. Right. The thoughts that we have are commensurate and they arise from within the prison we can't see. Mm. So this is why it becomes sort of like this Sherlock Holmes version of, you know, your own internal dialogue where you have to reverse engineer, investigate the and inspect the nature and the quality of the thoughts and where they're arising from. Like the woman, as I said, in New York, sitting with her girlfriends, having a drink or a dinner, there's no good men in New York. That would be a conscious thought that now has been manifested at denser level through her vocal cords, which is ironically creating an even more um entrapped reality for herself but if they were good friends and they listened unfortunately most friends say no 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 you're you're amazing and yeah it's sort of like this lip service of positive thinking on the surface which <laughs> might feel like you know temporary relief but if we reverse engineer and investigate well why would you say that where's that mm. from and really pay attention you know well you know this guy that i dated before was such an asshole and the guy before that you know he was kind of mean. And right now you start to see that her whole frame of reference is based entirely on her history. Mm. But what does my history have to do with anything in the realm of pure possibility? Mm. Right. So it is very slippery. And this is why usually people do need, they do, we need relationship, right? We need to be able to relate to another who can hopefully have astute enough listening, which I consider to be my superpower, why I help people because I can hear in their own dialogue and their language where they're trying to tell me a story that I'm not going to buy into. Right. Which would only justify the reality. So yes, to do it by oneself takes a really discerning mind to be able mm. to go backwards and go, okay, well, why am I saying that about myself? Or why mm. am I thinking that about myself? What must be the underlying feeling? So it's rather than a thought, what does that thought leave me feeling? Well, it leaves me feeling sad. It leaves me feeling hopeless it leaves me feeling inadequate okay mm -hmm. now we're starting to get to the root of why you have the thought okay if you feel sad powerless inadequate hopeless what must you be saying who would have that thought mm -hmm. um i don't know someone who thinks they're pretty pathetic or they're a loser and where do you remember feeling that mm -hmm. you know so you kind of have to do some digging well mm -hmm. you know i can remember when you know Sarah McLaughlin, well, that's a singer. <laughs> I was trying to come up with some, some, random, you know, Sarah Smith in fifth grade told me that I'm a loser. Yeah. And that really hurt at that point. And all her friends laughed at me. Mm. And that may have been from the age of, you know, 11 or 12. Like that's been the you that you are for yourself. That yeah. now 38, 43 is still the driving motivator of the thoughts that you have. And it's like, oh my God, I've literally allowed the comments of a sixth grader to dictate my entire adult life. Wow. So what I think you the easiest kind of concretized thing, like starting point, if you're literally like, how do I read my thoughts? Like, how do I know whatever? It's like almost to start noticing what you're saying how mm -hmm. it's making you feel and how how um like almost reading the theme or the pattern of having where you default to that same um feeling again yeah. obviously i would say just also if you can 
just do your mastermind because um you know you, yeah. we do we we can't do this alone and we we need each other to see each other that's why there's you know yeah. not eight billion different planets with each one you know with one person on each we're right, like... exactly. yeah. <laughs> although that's like the ego's experience where people are fundamentally alone even in relationship yeah. even married with kids they feel alone because they're looking through this blind spot of their own feelings of inadequacy and security or scarcity which is mm. you know, the identity that's founded in the experience of separation. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we do need reflection. And again, this isn't a sales pitch, but the mastermind, you witness me take people through that process. By virtue of being human, you vicariously get the same thing. Why? Because everybody's got the same prisons. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, yeah. I may not have it with my husband or my dad, but I have it with my brother or my sister or, you know, but the same idea that I'm not worthy, yeah. I'm not loved, I'm not safe. You get to witness it. And, you know, I show people the different strategies of how people use whatever means of compensation. And they're very slippery. I mean, people are human beings are really smart, albeit in a very, you know, unconscious manipulative way yeah. trying to get love and acceptance, but it's never fulfilling because ultimately it's built on a foundation of I'm not loved and accepted, which is why I'm desperately trying to get it. Which imagine if we used all that smarts and intelligence, <clears throat> but from a feeling of the opposite, um, you know, That's, we're already using our, our intelligence yeah. very well. That is, yeah. I mean, again, when I work with very, very smart executives and performers in the world, which I'm blessed to, you know, I say being smart doesn't make you any happier. It just makes your reasons why you're not way more convincing. Wow. So when I work with some of the elite, they now are surrounded by yes people mm -hmm. because their ability to explain, justify, rationalize why things can't work, whether it be for them or others, yeah. it's super convincing and people just subscribe to it. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. that makes sense why that wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Versus no, in the world, and this comes back to the beauty of children, right? They don't yet have the accumulated disappointments and challenges of life to justify the feelings of inhibition or limitation in their dialogue. So for them, everything's still possible. Yeah. And that's what we're returning to is the innocence of a child, mm. albeit with the practicality. Like I know, despite being six foot three, I'm never going to be an NBA all-star, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But could I tap into the energy of what that might feel like in my own arena, in my mm. own industry of where I could shine with regards to my capacity, my potential, because in the absence of constraint, I get to truly explore that. Yeah, so it's like just referring back to the potential thing. It's not like you need to see your own potential. You need to whatever your potential. It's almost like not addressing the potential. It's actually addressing the things that are getting in the way and yes. almost allowing that to kind of get it, give it the breathing room that it is already going to naturally want to take. Absolutely, because the beautiful thing is not only is that precursor to the manifestation of the event that you might want, Mm -hmm. But what usually happens is the wanting of the item, person, outcome, circumstance becomes irrelevant because mm -hmm. you never wanted that. Mm -hmm. You wanted the experience of mm -hmm. your own frequency that was currently trapped that now you've revealed and released, mm -hmm. which is the joy. That is the fulfillment. That is the feeling of accomplishment and peace that you want, that you were just collapsing with the event. Mm -hmm. so in the absence of you know, having the feeling, excuse me, we associate it with the event, the person, the outcome. But once we have the experience, then the pursuit of the event now becomes moot. You can, but it becomes 
kind of effortless and much more yeah. joyful versus being the yeah. the misnomer, the illusion of that's that's where my joy lives is out mm -hmm. there over there with them. No, no, no. Yeah. Ironically, that also does become just more fun because you just get to actually almost witness it as you're doing it without any um like pressure on it to give you something then you're just doing it for the fun of it or for the enjoyment of oh okay this is fun this is creative this is let's yeah. see where it goes rather than this has to give me this thing and you know everybody yeah. knows what that feels like um and yeah. i you know do believe that we want to feel like we like being who we are through all these things not just all the you know what i mean it's like yeah. is um do you want to enjoy being yourself ultimately you want to enjoy the experience of being you through all these things not just having all those things or experiencing all those things you want to feel like good feeling through it yeah um, and that that sort of ties into what i was pointing to earlier just to you know pay off for people listening about success right because the current paradigm of success is based on my circumstance Right. And fill in the blank, you know, the big house, plenty of money, a beautiful partner, a loving family, whatever it is, the corner office. People have got their own iteration of what they think success looks like. It is predicated on my circumstances. To me, real success is the absence of the need for my circumstances to be any other way than the way they currently are. Mm -hmm. Can you feel the difference? One is like this pursuit, you know, the rat race. And it's something that I teach in the mastermind, what I call these insidious killers, because they're based in language and they're very subtle. And I'll give people an example. The I have to, mm. right? I have to act a certain way, make a certain money, appear a certain way for my parents. All of that is based in resistance. Yeah. But to your point earlier, when we reveal the energy and the frequency that we thought was collapsed with the event, the event and the outcome, but we realize, oh, I am, I am that frequency. Mm -hmm. now there's no need there's no have to i don't have to do anything but it may still be to your point fun to uh, allow that to manifest so instead of i have to now i get to yeah that's the difference between hell and heaven it gives me chills wow that's so beautiful i mean i would almost let that be the sign off but i also um I want to ask you something else because yeah. I think you're so just to completely just add in a whole other thing um, because you are so um, accomplished, integrated, whatever you want to call it in the realms of also like looking after your body and the sovereignty of, of, mm -hmm. of kind of having health and how the yeah. mind is an extension of good health. But I think the way you talk about, looking after yourself is so um, unique yeah. because it is free of the other conversations which come from like love yourself and and it needs because you need to look a certain way or because you need to be performing these certain habits and rituals and to be cool or whatever like yeah. you have you put out such a different energy when you speak about health and mm -hmm. or, or lo looking after your physical self than than anyone else yeah. So I just like, just if you just could give me whatever answer on, you know, sure. if someone was to ask you, like, why is it important and why does it matter? It, well, I mean, health is wealth and, you know, everyone will realize that at some point in their life when they could have amassed as much fame and status and wealth in the world, like money, when they fall sick, you know. So I think 
to again use your words because they're beautiful and how most people think when you said the mind is an extension of health i'd actually say it is the absolute obligatory precursor to health right and uh, this is a bold and you know pretty broad statement but i really want people to hear it you can't have genuine authentic health unless you are at peace now really let that hit because I love the word disease because I break it down into its energetic counterparts, which is dis-ease. The absence of ease is the precursor. Over time, if you're built like an ox, you'll get away with it for a few years. If you've got a much more fragile, sensitive system, then your sicknesses will manifest very early on in life. But the absence of ease, dis-ease, is the precursor to physiological disease cascading through your physiology and manifesting, which is why, again, I'll say you can't have authentic health genuine health true vitality mm -hmm. if you're not at peace so if you want to be healthy the real access is to see where you're not at peace which again comes back to these constraints so why i feel i'm blessed to have such beautiful vitality haven't taken one drop of medication for god knows how many decades again not to toot my own horn or to be fancy or flashy no one, okay, maybe I have some decent genetics, but I've done a lot of genetic analysis and my genes aren't great. It's not like I was given <laughs> the best, you know? But I do walk around in a sense of internal peace. Mm -hmm. Now, all the time, no, I'm still human. I've come up, you know, even in the last couple of months, I've come up against some really beautiful, albeit challenging constraints that I was oblivious to about the passing of my mom when I was seven and how I relate to the feminine sometimes. But breaking through those has only found me more freedom and peace which means I actually feel even more vital right now. So yeah. the joy is not, yes, is it feeling of accomplishment and fulfillment that you have a really good sweat and you work out and you jump in the sauna and like everyone on Instagram, you have a cold plunge and you have mm. to tell everybody about it, whatever. Like yeah. all of these methodologies, these the amenities that people are now getting in their home that they can use versus going to a big building and a gym. That's wonderful. I'm glad yeah. that you have to eat well, eat organic, avoid GMO. Yeah. You know, all the crap that is put out there. However, until such time that you truly transcend the constraints that are the identity that you're currently collapsed in, based in limitation of inadequacy, insecurity, scarcity, then health, true health, isn't available to you. And I don't say that as like some sort of shock, stick soccer warning, you know, or that like to be you know, a curmudgeon or like bearer of bad news. No, for those people who really want help, hopefully it's a form of inspiration that yeah. you don't have to kill yourself on a treadmill yeah. get up at five o'clock in the morning and run through the park. No, perhaps the greatest access for health for you will be to see where you've got unreconciled pains, judgments about yourself and your loved ones and clean that up because yeah. that's truly the access to vitality is when you can break free from the limitation constraints of your subconscious that are putting you in an energetic state of disease that is just a ticking time bomb that will manifest eventually yeah it's it is it's freeing it's actually very freeing it's not um it's not coming from a place of fear or lack which is what i think is a lot of um you know where we get our health thing from is like oh maybe this or you know what i mean it's almost like putting us on the back foot already it's like oh there's a there's a following that the body does to the mind. And if yes. I get the mind right, there's a huge, um, you know, it like moves the needle so much more quickly than if we had to kind of just keep on 
it's like we otherwise we're just always in a fight with our bodies right and so it goes um, back to that insidious killer i mean with all the again with all the respect to the trainers and the pilates and yoga teachers mm -hmm. and the fitness experts and you know their language is still based in resistance right you got yeah. to do this you have to do this these are these insidious killers yeah but that usually is adding, you know, those straws, the quintessential straws that break the camel's back because most people are already doing too much because they're in a fight with themselves at the deepest level. Mm -hmm. So the mother that has already exhausted herself from a day with her kids, just managing what it is to be a mom, let alone the person mm -hmm. who's also working and God forbid it's a mom who has kids and has a job and a career. And now it's like, oh, and I have to, because my trainer, my instructor, this fitness guru I follow on Instagram has said, I have to do these exercises. Yeah. Energy is actually way more detrimental to mm. your overall health than just sitting quietly and maybe just, God forbid, listening to your breath or doing a meditation for 10 minutes, which allows your nervous system to drop into parasympathetic, which is rest and rejuvenate, mm. right? And that is way more powerful for your overall vitality than doing something more right yeah. so again we're out of that i have to and we're back more into no i get to but rather i want to be able to allow my system to dissolve the stress that's already there relinquish mm. the constraints tension that's already been in my system not just for today but usually for decades <laughs> and that is the precursor to the greatest form of vitality and again just as a subtle distinction I talk more about it again in the mastermind. It can be quite shocking, but at the same time, revelatory and inspiring when people realize our mind is not in our body. We look at our heads, right? We think the mind is somewhere here in the brain. No, your mind is much more like the image of an aura. Your body lives within the energy of your mind. Wow. So I say very similar to the relationship between a child and a parent, the body is to the mind. If the parent is in a, straight, a state of dis-ease or anger, the child is the direct recipient of that. So similarly, if your mind is in a form of constraint, limitation, fear, anxiety, depression, your body is receiving that. So that alone can be like absolutely enlightening and revelatory, as I said, for people to realize, no, your body is at the direct whim of your state of mind because it lives within the energy of your mind. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a great, that's kind of great news in the way that, you, you know, from the, from the perspective that you talk about it, it's, it's great that the mind's got you if you want. Yeah. 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 If you can be responsible versus going back to, as I said, most people are a victim of circumstance. If you're living within an energy of victimhood, then your body has to eventually show victimhood. What is that? It's you are, being berated by society you're a victim of you're powerless and so therefore your body will start to fail you because that physiologically would be a representation of powerlessness right. conversely if you realize you are fully responsible for your life even the things that your ego is telling you you don't want or was not my fault responsibility has got nothing to do with fault and everything mm -hmm. to do with power mm -hmm. Right, that I am in ways that perhaps I'm oblivious to manifesting the circumstances of my life so that I can reveal where I'm not free. These are curated events, people that show up. There's no coincidence that I have attracted the exact circumstances that I need to reveal where I'm not free so that I can break free to recognize my inherent state of worth, love, power, 
and sovereignty that fundamentally my state is freedom itself. Yeah. I mean, and isn't that what ultimately everybody wants? Yeah. So and that's why I have, and I can announce it here because by the time this comes out, hopefully it'll be available. I've literally created an entirely new platform simply called Freedom. Wow. Well, you'll have to give me, we'll put all the details in the show notes, but um, yeah. do you, are yeah. you able to tell us a little bit more about what? Yeah. So basically people have previously bought my workshops, my courses, my flagship thing called Free Your Mind, which is over 35 videos, you know, in the platform itself, I think there's now 60 plus hours of content that talk about everything from health, relationships, anxiety, depression, how to create the future you want. Um, and they were previously a la carte people would buy them individually but now we've put it all into one hub so it's basically my version of a enlightening conscious empowering how to access and optimize your life version of netflix that's so, amazing isn't it yeah yeah cheap old price of 99 bucks a month and actually if you buy it for a year it's even less but you know, yeah. to make it affordable, because obviously my mastermind is my flagship in terms of the most powerful container of three months. That's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, for some people isn't affordable right now. I get it. So I wanted to put everything else into this one place where you can literally have hours and hours of content. All my Instagram lives, I'm going to be doing my own monthly version of a download, kind of like a podcast, but it'll be exclusively awesome. in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's really for people who are committed to finding freedom in all areas of their life. That's so cool. And I and I really, you know, you probably know this, but there's I really try not to um just have, you know, guests on for the sake of that's just how podcasts are done and you just have guests. Yeah. Um, you know, I really try to be intentional with what I really think is important right now, which is that we all want this practical, we want this kind, we want this easy yeah. to do, we want this accessible, but very honest. We're, I think we're just craving that honesty. And so I yeah. really, you know, and I rarely ever say, you know, do this, do this, because everyone else is doing it. But I just feel like it's such a no brainer to tell people that you are such a voice of truth and help in the world. And and everything you put out, I mean, it's almost like you have, it's like, where does the content even end? It's it's like, it just goes on and on and on. And so anything that you're looking for, there's a, there's a, um, there's a way out and, and you cover all the bases. So I'm just really grateful to, to share you with the audience and I'm sure they all know you already, but just to no. dive deep and, and, and also, you know, your content really is like Netflix because if anyone's interacted with you before, you're really funny as well. So it's like, yeah. you give it with levity, you know? So oh, plenty of entertainment. Yeah. No, listen, <laughs> what you just shared really, you know, it's, it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I would never have thought that some young kid who was orphaned at the age of 17 and only child, you know, mom dies of cancer, dad goes to work one day, never comes back because he's killed, unfortunately you know, that I would have the capacity to touch the lives of millions of people around the world. And the fact that I can walk into a shop, as I said, and get stopped by someone like that dad who said, you changed my life. And, I, you know, I, I just for accuracy, accuracy's sake, I always tell people, well, I didn't, you changed your life. I may well have been the inspiration for which I'm very grateful. So yeah. 
you know, it means the world to me that you would share such beautiful words and you recognize that I do want to integrate and be very practical. I think there's a lot of beautiful spiritual teachers out there that can be inspiring and motivating, but it leaves people not quite sure. How do I do that? Or how does that help me pay rent or, you know, yeah. get rid of this sickness? And I think if there is perhaps a gift that I have apart from the power of listening and really discerning in language where people are lying to themselves and trapping themselves, it is to make the profound palatable. You know, yeah. it is to bring the unmanifest into the manifest world so people can go, wow, that actually is truly attainable now that I understand where I've been hiding or trapped, you know, and um, that is certainly my intention is to, yeah, we can talk about past lives and the future and all of these fun things to pontificate about and philosophize, but I want to help people now to find true health, to find true love in their relationships, particularly yeah. with themselves. And if it's something they want to really manifest uh, an abundant physical life for themselves and, mm -hmm. and I know how to do that. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you. And this will be out um, in January. So awesome. it's just a really perfect time to think about like, yeah. you know, there's nothing that you, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's all in, in, in removing the, the, the barriers and the, and the prisons and then yeah, the rest goes from there. Absolutely. That to me is the raison d'etre. As they say, the reason to be of being human is, you know, as I tell people, one of my most popular quotes, I say that life will present you with people and circumstances to reveal the way, way you're not free. I know that one. That's a yeah. that's a classic PC. Yeah. But it's really good. And it's so true, you know. Yeah, that's so. what we're here, to break free from the constraints with which we arrived and why I said I created this platform called Freedom, because that... Yeah to me will be, it will be, it is already the point where people realize, wow, there's an actual resource an access mm -hmm. where I can discover freedom in all arenas of my life through this particular resource. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jenna. Love you. Love you too.